Hi, and welcome to episode 343 of No Crying in Baseball, the lies, damn lies, and statistics episode. My name's Patty. I'm here with my friend Potty Mouth. Hi, Potty Mouth. Hey, cheers Cheers to baseball. To baseball. It's spring training, Mm -hmm. and we're back in the same room recording again after our super crazy, here we are in the the Northeast and separate places uh, occurrence of last weekend. Yeah, I hope that you all notice improvement in our audio quality this week, because it should be slightly better, although we are really on the verge of it not happening at all. So just like thank all the tech gods, and our tech support support. is really, uh, you know, top notch, top notch. Absolutely, absolutely. And and, and to consider, you know, this studio, the one that we can count on 100%, (laughs) it's also a tiny little bit scary. Yeah. um, Because everything feels slightly temporary, but it's so much better. And, you know. Yeah, we're making it work. But hey, there's spring training games happening. So this is recording on Sunday as usual. And I watched spring training yesterday. Yeah, I just watched highlights, which were probably mm. your lowlights from yesterday's game. Yeah, so I got to suffer in the moment. You know, I was super excited to see Garrett Whitlock, I thought, for the Red Sox. I watched the Red Sox-Orioles game. Which, the Orioles-Red Sox yeah, game. Which, which Patty yeah. is happy about how it ended, and I was really crushed. I was about happy how about ended. how it started. There, Yeah, so you got the start in the end. I, I had a little bit of happiness in the middle while the Red Sox were ahead for a while until that fucking walk-off. But, you know, a spectacular walk yeah, off by it, Colton Kowser. Yeah. 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 And I was like, what is he? He's a good player. What's he doing in the end of the game? It's spring training. Come on. Well, he hasn't. He's still he <laughs> yeah. hasn't been called up yet. You know, I mean, we last saw him That's at right. the Bay Sox at double A. You know why? Why I was thinking of him as like being in the in crowd is isn't he's in that house. You know, there's like five of them who are living together and they look like brothers. They And they behave like brothers. I, yes. lo- I love them. I love them. They're very fun. So um, the part you left out was the very first home run you mm. saw of spring training was my guy, Ali Rushman. And yeah. That was the first inning, wasn't right, it? That right. Was... And it, it was the only hit or run <laughs> that Garrett Whitlock gave up. And it was Adley. So I kind of feel like, all right, I don't feel, you know, totally depressed about the Red Sox quite yet. Um, I'm getting there. I'm get, but it wasn't. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad, and they actually had a really good showing today. So I, that was that was exciting. To well, see. I'm, I'm I'm just tickled that it was a good start and finish for for my guys. Yeah. And you know, it's the first game of spring training. Right. Spring training games are fun. Yeah, and they matter for figuring out how the season's going to go later. But they don't matter numerically for how the season's going to go later. So you can just have fun and just watch baseball and say, Hey, that, there's that guy. Right. You, you can sort that of read baseball. In, yeah, you can read into it what you want. I mean, everybody's looking for like their pitchers to come out and be able to pitch, and that's always reassuring. And if they do it for an inning or two and they do it well, it's like yay! Like look at the like Corbin Burns. Like, yep. You know, a new guy. He's in. Put him in. Have a successful inning, and he's out because you know he he did his thing. And 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 the Red Sox did that with Giolito today too. And the other fun thing though, like you're saying with Colton Kowser is to see those guys who you don't know if they're going to make it up this year or not, and some of them you know definitely aren't. And we did a lot of, like, who's that when, you know, people were coming up. And one of the um, the fun little tidbits that I saw was uh, was Nick Sogard, who we saw, I believe, last year when we saw the, um, the Woo Sox a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so yes, that absolutely is, we did. That is, uh, you know, nerd power Eric Sogard, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, his cousin, his little cousin. And they had some fun facts about the Sogard family. So not not only do we have these these cousins who are both major league players, and Eric was with the A's, and um, and then actually is playing in Czechoslovakia now, I think. But they have a the Czech Republic. Yeah. Oh, shit. I How old are you? Not well, as old as I am. The eighties again. Yes, he's over there checking it off. Um, but Nick Sogard's sister. I'm thinking, and we should. I should really fact check this. He's she's got to be hanging out with our buddy um, Brian Ruby because she is a country singer in Nashville. So that's got to be a small and little community, all those community, people right? know each other. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how sure. many country singers could there possibly right. be in Nashville? Yeah, and and another fun fact is that his father played football and baseball at my alma mater, Tufts University. Go Jumbos! While, while you were there. Uh, Probably. Right? Yes. I betcha. I betcha. I should really look that up. I think I knew one person on the football team, maybe. But I should look that up. I don't think it was his name was Sogard. <laughs> okay then. Yeah. All right, we're gonna do a show. We are doing a show. It's happening already. On today's show. Is it still the hot stove if spring training has already started? We've got some a retirement, and we've got pillow contracts. Yes, a vocabulary word. We're rethinking fantasy leagues. Um, you thought we had stupid rules. Um, we have boyfriends for Houston and Milwaukee, pants, and the police blotter. Cheers. 
Cheers to that. All right, my first toast of the of the evening, afternoon, I don't know what the fuck time it is. Here we are in the studio. Eric Hosmer, former baseball boyfriend pick of mine from 2020 with the Padres, has announced his retirement this week. So I would like to say congratulations to Eric Hosmer. I understand that Padres fans don't feel so positive about him because that was his signing with the Padres was a big one. It was, and shit, I didn't write it. Oh, yeah, I did. It was a eight-year deal for $144 million. Did I read that right? That sounds like a lot of money. And it was especially at the time because it was before the Padres did all their big deals. So despite the fact that Eric Hosmer maybe didn't live up to his end of the deal, it opened the door for their other deals. It was sort of like, you know, before then, the Padres were not putting out, shall we say, um, but they did with Manny Machado soon after that, Mm -hmm. Fernando Tatis Jr., uh, Juan Soto, uh, Xander Bogarts. Notably, three of those four were signed as shortstops and are not playing shortstop. (laughs) So the Padres played, paid a lot of money for shortstops who are not playing shortstops, and they still owe Mr. Hosmer, Hosmer... $26 million while he's being retired, so he'll be doing well through 2025. But Hosmer, and I remember talking to my dad about when the Red Sox signed Hosmer, they'll go into the timeline in just a minute, and him being really um, enthusiastic about it because he had missed that little Padres bit because he was a key part of Kansas City. Uh, 2011 to the to 2017, he was in Kansas City, including you know the big World Series, and super well known for that time. And also uh, developed a really big bond with Salvador Perez, who is another baseball boyfriend of mine. And I think um, the sweetest thing that I saw about the Hosmer retirement, you know, nothing sweet from Padres land, but from Kansas City Royals land, uh, Salvi Perez did a little video where he literally said into the camera, I love you, thank you for everything. And that went back to thank- taking care of him in the minors. And, um, and actually in Hosmer's podcast, which is what he's gonna be doing now, so welcome to the shows, Eric Hosmer. He talked about how he helped with with translating for for Salvi back in the minors, like making sure the guy got fed. So re- listen to the podcast because they say it much better than I could I could quote it. But when Salvi did his you know goodbye and thank you, said that they were like brothers from another mother. So spent a lot of time together in Kansas City after Kansas City and the Padres. Uh, Hosmer was traded to the Red Sox mid-year, 22, at the trade deadline. And and I listened to his podcast where he sort of talked about his history and how he ended up podcasting. And he talked about that trade in a really, I thought, understanding way. Like he kind of knew where he was at in his career and where the Padres had to go. And it made sense for him to trade them. So there was really, even despite the fact that, you know, he was this big signing for them, it seemed like there were no hard feelings. And he went to the Red Sox with full energy and and actually, you know, he didn't spend a lot of time in the Red Sox. He was injured for part of that time. So I don't think there were really hard feelings there. But when they did that, his wife was six or seven months pregnant. And so they had to find a place to, like, he he had no no notice, you know, basically. He had to meet the, the team in Kansas City, ironically. And then she had, at six months pregnant, had to deal with all the family logistics and find an OB. And despite the fact that he was in Boston for like a heartbeat, that's where his kid was born. So, hey, Boston birth certificate. So um, after that, he was DFA'd by the Red Sox. Not much time there. Picked up by the Cubs last season, not for long. DFA'd in May. And made the conscious decision to take the rest of that season off because I think after those two bumps after a pretty, you know, long-term kind of career, he had to sort of reset. And then, you know, wasn't getting picked up this year and announced his retirement. So he is joining us in the wonderful podcasting industry, kicking off Moonball Media with his minor league teammate, Anthony Saratelli. And they have a podcast called Digging Deep, and I recommend the first episode. I thought it was sweet. And they also have a development coach, Justin Sua, who he talks about the mental side. And I'm going to talk about about this a little bit more with my boyfriend pick for today and the importance of mental coaching 
and, you know, trusting these people. And I think, you know, that's another, you know, good thing about Eric Hosmer. So I feel good about him. Best wishes to Haas on his retirement. And uh, I'm going to check into Digging Deep. All right. That sounds excellent. Good luck, Eric. Hey, do you know what a pillow contract is? I do because of uh, Beltre. Ah, so you're, that, that was the first time it was ever used. Yes, Beltre got to talk on the pillows with the Red Sox, yeah. That's right. Okay, so um, your pal, Scott Boris, actually coined the mm. phrase of pillow he contract. He coined it? He did. Oh, man, now I don't like it anymore. Oh, dear. <laughs> okay, so he described it at the time, at the Beltre occasion of his pillow contract, is basically, you lay down, it's comfortable. When you wake up in the morning, it's soft, it's there, but it's not there with you all the time. That's a one-year contract. Mm. So one-year contract usually kind of, and that spot where like you you need to recharge, right. you need a, so, a soft landing as your, as your pillow for a little bit to see what's going to happen next. He also coined the phrase herpes contract. Oh, that's the one. That you, sounds much worse. That's the one you can't get rid of. Yeah. Oh, oh. He really went there. So he went there. Apparently, Ooh. he's got nicknames for lots of contracts, but the pillow oh, one boy. is the one that is the most adorable, famous. And I'm going to talk about two of them actually. So Cody Bellinger who last year was the National League Comeback Player of the Year. He had two um, sort of poor or non-existent seasons. Remember, he injured himself in 2020 celebrating. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 So he, he had a very slow comeback, but then last year he was great with the, with the Cubs, right? Um, he, he got a, a million dollars for that comeback player of the year. I think that's one of those bonuses oh, wow. that, that gets written into contracts. Like if you get a major yeah. award, and apparently comeback player of the year is that kind of award. So that was pillow contract. His year-long contract with the Cubs was that he declined the $25 million option to stay, right? Mm -hmm. So he went to free agency assuming he was going to get some blockbuster deal, which he didn't. So now he's... People are saying, oh, he's staying with Chicago. No, he left. Right. He actually left. And now he's back, even though no you know, actual time right. has passed as far as playing is concerned. He's back to Chicago. He has a three-year contract, but there's two opt-outs. At the, mm. There's an opt-out at the end of every year. So it's like stacking pillows. Oh, wow. Yeah. So he gets $30 million for the first year. If he takes that option for a second year, it's another $30 million. If he takes that option for a third year, his third pillow is a $20 million season. So there you go with Cody Bellinger. Tim Anderson, one of my original boyfriends with the White Sox, um, had a great World Baseball Classic oh, the yeah. past season and then terrible, terrible actual season, wow. including bad things happening, such as down goes Anderson, down goes Anderson. The oh. White Sox declined his $14 million option for another year. Tim Anderson got a million dollars as a buyout. That was, you know, if they don't pick me back up, I get a million dollars. And then Miami went after him. And Miami actually was looking at him at the trade deadline last year. So they've wanted Tim Anderson for a while. It wasn't necessarily a bargain basement. All right, he's there. Right. White Sox don't want him. Let's get him cheap. It was the, we wanted him before, we mm-hmm. want him now. So Miami actually signed him pillow contract for a year and five million dollars all right and we'll see how that goes i think he's gonna like it in miami i think he needs some place where he can sort of cut loose a little bit and feel more comfortable so i, I feel him. like he's been cutting loose quite a bit yeah. what well. would be oh i don't know oh. child with someone who's not his wife what oh, with getting into yeah, fights on the field um yeah all right well maybe he cutting loose might not be the thing but uh, maybe a change loose. of scenery might be right. enough all right. Yeah. Well, with all those pillows around, at least you can't do too much damage, right? There's... You knock on something right now. Right, this right. This me knocking on wood. I'm wondering, like, Cody Bellinger, I feel like there's it should be like the princess and the pea sort of situation. Like, put something under those pillows and see if you can detect them. That's it. Yeah. That'll work. All right. So we have a fantasy league. And if you are listening right now and you want to join us, uh, just keep listening and we'll give you some info at the end. Basically, get in touch with us because it's a lot of fun and we talk about our Baseball boyfriends, we put them into teams. Other people make teams. And we have had some, I think, stellar prizes uh, the past We absolutely past have. And you don't years. need to know what they are because, right. you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's different every year. Yep, it is. It's it's kind of what we collect and uh, and we think is fun to send it's off to It's what we our... curate. Yes. Thank you. you you're so much better with the vocabulary than I am. I, I have a little bit of media yes. training. Just All a little right. bit. I have my talking points. Right. Finally curated Finally. first prize. But we've only considered first place prizes. And, you know, there's an official certif- certificate and everything like we we, we don't joke around here. Um, but we have Hard to believe we don't joke around. Right? We haven't um, contemplated, and maybe this is because we're we're not really the punitive sort, but we haven't contemplated what the last place person 
should do. And that's it's also often us. Right. <laughs> That maybe that has something to do with it. Um, but you you may have heard because it's all over the place, all over social media, that the Blue Jays, several of, of the folks on that team had a fantasy when this happens a lot, fantasy football. Yeah. We've we've heard about this. Read Tommy Pham and Mike Trout. Um apparently this is a, a different league and they're a little bit more forgiving here. Uh, Team Meza, who was on my pitching squad last year. So when we pick baseball boyfriends, we pick a flock of pitchers. I picked the flock of Blue Jays appropriately in that they can fly, but they didn't fly very far last year. Tim Meza, however, was a very good relief pitcher. He um, had a 4-10 record on his fantasy football, which put him in last place. And he got to be bat boy for the first day of spring training because of that, with a 4-10 jersey on the back. So 4-10 was his record, mm-hmm. and it, it didn't just get to be. He was mm-hmm. told he would be, and it was actually, yeah. it's actually for a couple. <laughs> right. I, th- I think it's been more than the first game, isn't it? Oh, like, really? I thought it was the first one. May- maybe. I, if I, it's more, that's, well, that's super cool. So a little bit of information around that is I, I, I feel for him because he was the commissioner of the league. Oh, man. And then had suffered this punishment. And I am the commissioner yeah. of the fantasy league. So I'm a little concerned about you wanting to implement <laughs> something because that made you. But Danny Jensen actually won. His team won fantasy football. And he he wanted to give props, right, to Tim saying, okay, so maybe his like management skills weren't great, but he has other important sure. skills and and Danny says if there's one guy that's going to give at 110% getting these bats it's going to be Tim oh it's right? all about the attitude and then his manager John Snyder said it was talking about like him working on the fundamentals yeah and he said we're looking for proper form to and from uh-huh. putting bats in the right rack if my six-year-old could do it last year Tim should be okay Especially if he's got the attitude and the gumption about it. Apparently, um, the guys in the dugout gave him lots of um, heck for chasing <laughs> while he was chasing down foul balls. So I think they really made him work for it. And he noted that the previous year there was no punishment for last place. So he's a little concerned oh. about how this is. So I think I guess he's the, the commissioner. I though. know. So don't get any ideas out there. No coups. Yeah, our, our, I'm our, not our, cooing. Our, you're not cooing. <laughs> no way. No, I, I don't want that I, we are job. A coup-free fantasy you, league. You've got it nailed down. Just thinking, Tim Meza, like he's, he seems like he's doing a better job than uh, Mike Trout there. You know, so his stats are better in something than Mike Trout as far as commissioner right. of the fantasy. That's right, football because because a relief pitcher and Mike Trout have a lot of similar sure. stats. stats. People track. I'm sure yes. they do. Yes. All right, I guess we're moving along to our baseball boyfriends. These are the guys that we pick, we curate carefully <laughs> in the uh, off oh, season. Look at you learn new things. I'm working on You're it. You're awesome. I'm studying. So uh, <laughs> we pick uh, one guy per team, uh, starting with the bottom of the barrel, the worst record from the previous season, and working our way up. And we are working our way up. And we're on one of our favorite teams to talk about. We already did the Yankees, so here we go with the Astros, who are getting, you know, more endearing every year, I would say. Although it was definitely hard to pick an Astros player. I actually went back and forth with a couple and settled on Jake Myers, center fielder, 27 years old, because I liked his attitude, because he focused on how his offseason worked this year. You, you hear a lot about guys who spent the offseason working out every day, and I think I talked about that last week with one of my picks, and Garrett Whitlock, I noticed, had bulked up, bulked up a whole bunch. Jake Myers said his offseason work this year was mental because he had some struggles these past couple of years, and so he sort of had to get himself straight. He had a lot of success as you know, most major league players do in the early years when he was in college and when he was first in the minors and then had some frustration these past couple of years and had to sort of learn how to deal with it, especially a major sol- shoulder injury in 2021 that was followed by surgery. I'll talk about that in a minute. He signed with the Astros, so he's been with them the whole time in 2017, 13th round pick from the University of Nebraska, and he's from Omaha, so he's a real Nebraskan. I know nothing about Nebraska, so I'm not not sure about how to You are that. correct that Omaha is in Nebraska. That, it's a great go. start. I also know that they're the Cornhuskers. 
So there must be a lot of corn in Nebraska. I did have a little bit of, of you know, okay, I've got to find something to connect with this corn husking guy with. And I looked back in his, his Instagram, and 2016, there's a picture of him with a Red Sox cap, which is the year before he signed with the Astros. So I'm just thinking, hmm, maybe there was some Red Sox fandom in him, but I didn't find any evidence to back that up. He was, however, and this is something that we like to see, somebody who does the books and the studying along with the baseball. He made scholar-athlete honor roll for three years of his college experience. He also had a 307 average 817 OPS and was 31 for 36 with stolen bases. And he was 17 for and 4 pitching. So 17 wins, 4 losses, pitching with a 261 ERA, 112 strikeouts, and a complete game shutout in his college career. So he was a two-way player. He did say uh, that he really liked working on the batting and the fielding more, so he went in that direction. And I think, you know, basically thinking that the, the pitching is such a all, you're all in it kind of thing, unless you're Shohei Otani, that that's not the direction that he wanted to go in. One theme that I have with both my guys this week, they're both center fielders. They're both super influenced by their fathers who were also involved in baseball. So his dad not only played baseball at University of Nebraska like him, so following in those footsteps, but he was drafted fourth round by the Giants in 1986, but didn't quite make it out of the minors. He was in, in the system for five years. Um, both he and his dad played center field, both of them batted right and threw left. So I guess if you're like, you know, teaching your kid the way to throw, you're marrying what dad does. And also both had the two-way experience. Um, his dad, however, was brought into pitch in when he was in the minors when there were no more pitchers available. And then the Giants saw that he could pitch. And so I think this is his fourth year in the minors. He was brought into pitch. He did all right. And he wasn't making it. You know, he'd been around for four years. And so the Giants said to him, you know, why don't we start over? He was at AAA at this point. Go back to single A as a pitcher. And he was at AAA. Wow. And he thought, you know, they're basically saying you're not going further where you are now. Right. And so he said, all right, let me finish this season at AAA and think about it. And he bashed into the wall in center field, busted a, his left shoulder, oh, no. had surgery, and could not pitch after that. So that oh, was the no. end of his career. So weirdly, so his, his son, Jake, was brought up with the Astros at the 21 deadline when Miles Straw, I think, didn't you have Miles Straw? I did. Uh, he was traded to I Cleveland. Did. And uh, Jake, the son, had been raking. Wow, I put a lot of zeros in there. There's not that many zeros. He had been raking in AAA. He had a 1006 OPS and brought up to for the rest of the season, did really well in 21. So the remainder of that season, 49 games, 260 average, slash line 260, 323, 480, no, 438. Brought into the ALDS against the White Sox was doing really well, three for eight with two RBI, and then sort of like flashback to dad, he crashed into the wall, oh, attempting no. to rob a home run. He tore his labrium, and he had surgery that November. And then, you know, raring to go, he had done so well in 21, he wasn't quite ready for 22. They brought him back up in June, and even Dusty, there were some, some quotes from Dusty Baker just sort of saying, like, they, it was on them. They brought him in too soon. He had a rough start. He had some time on the IL. He got sent down to AAA most of the season. He didn't make the World Series roster. 23, he was up for 87 games, but still struggling, still sort of. And, and I think that that trauma of smashing into a wall is going to affect your play in the future. Oh, you're going to be gun shy for sure, yeah. right? And, and there is also a crowded outfield then for the Astros. He lost some time when Michael Brantley came back. So in the offseason this year, he reached out to Laura Ramos, who's the Astros mental health and performance provider. And I just think that's wonderful that teams have that. I mean, I know the past few years, this has been increasing more and more. So for the fact that he reached out to her, that the Astros have that available to the players is really important, especially because there was talk of him being on the trading block. And that, you know, set off a lot of emotions. But at the winter meetings, GM Dana Brown said, 
we are investing in Jake Myers. He's going to be on the team for 24. He's not going to be traded, but he still needs to show his stuff in spring training. So he showed up to spring training a week early, and he said, it's awesome to feel that support from the top of the organization, but it's about showing up every day and grinding and trusting the process. Whatever I can do to help the team win is really what I'm focused on. So I like what I see about Jake Myers, and I'm hoping that uh, he hangs in there in the Astros outfield because I need outfielders for my fantasy oh, boy. league. So, oh, yeah, boy. I think Jake might be in there. <clears throat> All right. My guy for Houston is Graber Crawley Kessinger, wow. otherwise known as Gray, spelled G-R-A-E, because Graber is G-R-A-E-B-E-R. Listed as shortstop, has also played a lot of third base. He's 26 years old. He's from Oxford, Mississippi. Hmm. And if you remember last week, I picked my Phillies guy, Bryson Stott, sort of based on the fact that his mom reminded me of Potty Mouth, so I was joking <laughs> that Potty Mouth was my actual Phillies boyfriend. Am I your Astros boyfriend as well? No, but Gray's <laughs> grandfather kind of is. Oh, I'm like Gray's grandfather. You are not. <laughs> okay. You are not part of this. But I'm just saying, I, I like my my, my choices are adjacent to the okay. players. Gotcha. I'm I'm excited about Gray. I think he's gonna, yeah. he's really interesting. But I think one of the things that makes him interesting is his grandfather. So here's my story about that. His grandfather Don Kessinger played 16 years in the majors, mostly for the Cubs. Two times gold, gold wow. glove winner and six time all star. So he's a BFD, right? He is a big deal. His uncle Keith, Gray's uncle Keith, played 11 games for the Reds. That kind of like ended his major league career, but 11 games. His dad, Kevin, was drafted by the Cubs, but never got there. He was injured, so he didn't get any farther. But okay. that makes them with Gray now playing for Houston, one of only six three generation MLB families. Oh, wow. Isn't that cool? That's super cool. Yeah, there's also only, only six. All of his his uncles, his dad, his uncle, and his grandfather all played for Ole Miss. So this is important because out of high school, Gray was drafted in 2016 in the 26th round by San Diego. And he said, yeah, but everybody goes to Ole Miss. <laughs> well, and 26th round. Oxford, Mississippi. Well, and, or you're part of, of the Kessinger family. Okay. Everybody went, right? Sure. So it's like, okay, there's, you know, a 26th round. Who knows what's going to happen, but Ole Miss. So he went. Um, when he young at a younger age, he actually did go to Chicago with his grandfather, who had played for many many years mm-hmm. with the Cubs. And his grandfather like, toured him around. Here's like they got to go like, batting practice, you know, on the field. And these are the places I like to go see and go eat and whatever. I don't remember a lot of that, but what he does remember was in 2016, he was playing in an Under Armour event that was based at Wrigley. So his grandfather came up. From Mississippi and said, um, if you're going to plan my dirt, <laughs> I'm going to come watch That's you. That's so cool. So they've got a bond, right? So Gray yeah. and his grandfather have a big old bond. So he played. So he did go to Ole Miss, played for Ole Miss. And he had a couple of really good days in a row after his junior year. He took Ole Miss to the Super Regionals for the first time in five years they had gone and then the very next day was the 2019 draft, where Houston drafted him in the second round. So it was a big couple days. Wow, second for, round. Yeah, for, 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 for Gray Kessinger. He also won the Brooks Wallace Award that year, which is for the best collegiate shortstop. And he was the first person from Ole Miss to ever do that. And Ole Miss produces a lot of major league players. So that's kind of a big deal that he was the first shortstop to actually get that award. Now is when we come with the lies, damn lies and statistics. I'm going to lie with exact figures. You're so good at that. And say I'm 46% sure that I saw him play for the Tri-City Valley Cats in 2019. Sure. Almost, almost, um, maybe halfway positive. That's all right. That I saw him. All of our fans are going to go fact check that. Do that. Okay, well, good luck finding it. Yeah. Good good luck (laughs) figuring that out for me. Uh, His debut was in June of 2023, and his grandpa said that he was more excited when Gray got his call-up than when he got his own call-up 59 years earlier, right? Here's the advice. Here's the grandpa advice to Gray. I told him to play as hard as he can and have as much fun as he can and make the most of the moment because it's something he's always wanted. You got a dream, and now enjoy it. Don't worry. Just play, play hard, and have fun. And then he said, you'll be in awe a little bit. But you at least have been in spring training with them, and they know who you are, so just do what you do. Have fun, relax, be a teammate. 
Play as hard as you can play. When you have the opportunity, enjoy it to its fullest. Is that like boyfriend cred yeah. right there? It's, Gramps is like hitting it just right. So super good player. Grandpa. Absolutely, I want to have a beer with Gramp with Gramps. And he gets it's a game. Enjoy the game, but also work really hard because it's also your job. His dad was interviewed, of course, because you always interview the parents when the kids make the debut. He um, debuted in Toronto, but, you know, for for the Astros. And his dad told a story about when Gray was playing travel ball, you know, when he was like a preteen. They did a tour of the ballpark at Arlington, right? Like 11 years ago at that. And the coach of the travel team called, called his dad. And said, all the other kids are running around being crazy on the field <laughs> doing their thing. But Gray is sitting in the dugout staring at the field. I think he's picturing Aww. himself out there. Aww. How about that? How about that? And then, you know, he ends up out there. His dad said, this has been literally what he's wanted. That's when I get choked up. It's going to be fun. His first home run was at Coors Field on the 4th of July, 2023. <laughs> How cool. Which made him the third generation in his family to home run in the big leagues. Aww. Right? Isn't that cool? His, his So his grandfather, Don, played, uh, you know, uh, against and kind of with Dusty Baker. Oh, wow. On occasion. And so they, they knew each other pretty well. And Dusty <gasps> Baker, who then was the manager, yeah. right, for Gray when he had his call up, he said, between Hank Aaron and Kessinger, Don Kessinger, the grandpa, there are certain guys who make you feel comfortable, reach out on other teams, and make you feel like you belonged in the big leagues. Aww. So again, more boyfriend Craig for boyfriend cred for Gramps, which yeah. I got to believe is carrying on to Gray. And Gray says, from a young age... Baseball's part of my life. We talked about it in the car rides, everywhere we went. Just being around those family members helped me be the player I am today. We're a baseball family. Aww. So I'm looking forward to watching Gray Kessinger play some ball for the Astros. I will root for him, not so much for the rest of the team, but there you go. <laughs> that sounds awesome. So we need to open another beer. We haven't talked about any of the beers that we've oh, drank yet. You do that while I open the other one. So yeah, we had a freezing season from Flying Dog Brewery. That was the first one that we split with Tech Support while the drama was going on and then you so this is a lot of repeat from last week but you know what they're left over uh and and actually mr potty meth went out and bought beer today so that we wouldn't be doing repeats but it wasn't cold so here we are with the giant flaming zombie polar bear from atlas which packs a punch and then patty is now pouring denizens classic south side and, and to be clear, we're not drinking full beers. Like we're no. sharing these. The first one we split three ways right. with with tech support because, boy, he earned way more than a third of a beer. Yeah, and these are like normal size cans, yeah. 12 ounces. And then we're so. just doing halves of these. We're good. Because it's the right thing. I'm amused because I thought while I was talking, you would have taken care of I was thinking of all it, that and then I was the... just listening to you. I was, oh, I, I was I'm, I'm honored. I feel great about that. Tell me a story about the Brewers. Okay, I will. So we're on to the National League, and I am picking... A youngin', absolutely robbing the cradle here. Jackson Churio, center field, 19 years old. Nuh-uh. 19 years old. Nuh-uh. He will be 20 very soon on March 11th. And I am 99% confident that he is going to be debuting with the Brewers this season. He is from Maracaibo, Venezuela. And he has been a magnet to baseball since he was three years old. And his parents talked about how given all the cool toys, he always went to his bat, his ball, and his glove, no matter what else was put in front of him. His dad said that sometimes he would have to hide because Jackson would always find him and ask him to play baseball. Take oh. me to the park, dad. I want to play baseball. So he must have done a lot of that because at age uh, 19, he's going to be in, well, 20. He'll be in the big leagues. Uh, he got a $1.8 million signing bonus in January of 2021. He played Dominican Summer League that year. In 2022, he went from low A to high A to double A and ended up being the youngest player in double A that year and ended up as the Carolina. So his low A team, the Carolina League, he was MVP despite the fact that he left pretty early and kept moving on up. He was um, minor league gold glove and one of the three best defensive outfielders in the minors at age 
Little, 18. Age Little? H. Little, 18. He was the first Brewers player (laughs) to be minor league player of the year. The first player in the Brewers system to be minor league player of the year twice at ages 18 and 19 years old. So the only guy to do it twice, and he did it both times while still a teenager. In 2023, he was briefly named top prospect by Baseball America. And, you know, it looks depends on who you look at it, how you're you're ranking the prospects. He did make the Futures game, made it up to AAA for six games. So this is his only AAA experience at this point. Struck out once in his six games. Batted 333 with 851 OPS. He was the fifth 2040, so that's 20 home runs, 40 stolen bases, teenager in the minors since 1958, and the first since, and there's so many parallels here, Ronald Acuna Jr. in 2017. So these are both young guys from Venezuela who did big things when they were young, and look where Acuna is gone. So the Brewers are thinking, huh, we're going to get in early on this. Um, he is currently, the last I checked, number two in the MLB prospect rankings after Jackson Holiday, who we'll probably be seeing on the Orioles this year. So in December of 2023, he signed an eight-year contract with the Brewers for $82 million. This is his 19-year-old kid. Wow. With club options for 2032 and 2033, way in the future, with bonuses. It could be worth $130 million over 10 years, depending on how things um, flesh out. And so now this is the largest contract given out to a player who has not reached the ma- major leagues. And not only not reached the major leagues, but he played six AAA games. So this is super crazy scouting that's going on. Um, previously... Luis Robert Jr.'s six-year, $50 million contract in 2016 was the largest contract to somebody who had not made the major leagues. And so he is the sixth player to sign without having played. And he gives a lot of credit to his family and to his dad for putting in all that time to take him out to the park. He said he has the best family in the world and he loves them a lot. And he's always tried to be an exemplary son. And he wants to be an example for his, for his siblings, for his brothers. Um, and he knows that they look up to him. And he is already because his 18-year-old brother, Jason, signed with Cleveland for a $1.2 million bonus in January 22. He did play in the offseason in the Venezuelan League. He played with the Aguilas de Zulia in 2021, 22, and 23. In this past season, actually in 23, he had a 379 average with 983 OPS. So this is baby, like 19 years old. And he said, I love to to play in my country. Uh, the, the people uh, trans, uh, support me, and that's something incredible. I grew up watching the Aguilas de Zulia, and it's been a uh, dream for me to, to work in Venezuela. I hope to do it always because it's something that doesn't have a price. And so his dad watches him with minor league, uh, MILB.com, and then after seeing him, FaceTimes him with advice. <laughs> and so dad's quote was, if you work hard, you're going to have good rewards. And this is a quote from him quoting his father saying that that's my dad's famous phrase. <laughs> so uh, although he's a potty mouth pick, he is timid and shy off the field, but he is different on the field. So once he gets on that field, that's where he he takes those risks. He's exploding. And he has a, adorable Q-heart, quality hair above replacement. I've seen him with sort, sort of like long uh, cornrows. And now he's got kind of this shorter corn, cornrow look. He's just a cutie. Um, on being an example for other players. So he's young. And he's already, you know, talked about being an example for his siblings, but he's also saying that he understands that what he was given with getting this crazy contract at such a young age is something that other young players are going to look up to. And so he said that I I take this with the utmost of respect. I'm going to give everything I can to, to give 
all of those young people, talentos and altos, I'm, I'm translating as I'm, I'm reading here, which probably after a beer isn't the best thing. Lo mejor para mí es dejar los jóvenes talentos en alto. I'm going to give the best that I can to leave all the other young people see, basically seeing me as a, as a high example. Yeah, I think that's the best that I can do. Oh, shit, I wrote another one in Spanish. This, uh, he said, <laughs> this... That's a mistake I never make. Right, you know, I just like <laughs> copy and paste and figure I can wing it. Sure. This opportunity you don't see every day, and I want to uh, take advantage of it, and I want to to leave in high esteem all of the people who have who have believed in me all this time. Dejar en alto a toda la gente que ha creído en mí. So I believe in Jackson Chaudio, uh, which I still get. Oh, boy. I, I believe that he will do very well this year, and we will see what happens with this young kid. Okay. I had a very easy pick. All right. For the Brewers. Oof. Because Joseph Anthony Ortiz, who you might know as Joey Ortiz, was traded to the Brewers from the Orioles weeks ago. Wow. And I love me some Joey Ortiz. Yeah. Joey is um, second baseman, but just left side. He's, he's left side of, of the infield most of the time. And he's 25 years old. And the fact that that's the part of the infield that he plays, second, short, and third, is one of the reasons that he was a trading block. He's from Garden Grove, California. He went to Pacifica High School where he hit 417 with six triples as a senior, but there was no draft interest. Uh. But that's okay. That's okay. He went to New Mexico State, where he did great. Uh, his uh, his junior his junior year, 106 hits, 10 triples, 85 runs scored, a new single season high at New Mexico State. And you know what award he was a finalist for in 2019? The Brooks Wallace Award for the best collegiate shortstop, won by the guy that I just told you about. For Houston. So out of a short list of five, I'm picking two wow. of them this week as, as boyfriends. That's right. So in the 2019 draft, I love the 2019 draft year for the Orioles. Some of my favorite people were drafted in 2019. He was the fourth round for the O's. He was the highest, that was the highest player drafted from New Mexico State. So it's kind of a big deal. His coach from New Mexico State said, I'm so honored to have coached him. And I cried when I got off the phone Aww. with him about that draft pick. Awesome day for Joey, his family, and New Mexico State. So again, that 2019 class, that's when, you know, Adley Rushman was the first round draft pick. A lot of the young guys wow. that were having a lot of fun watching mm -hmm. play for the O's came up in that class. And they're pretty tight. They, you know, they came up through the minors together. They had a lot in common. Joey's like, you know, the fact that we all all went to college at the same time and yeah. at the same time we had lots of lots of commonalities that were they just became pals but everybody's overshadowed by the number one draft pick so here comes another yeah. lying with exact figures so i am 77 percent sure that i saw adley rutchman's debut at the aberdeen ironbirds which I, is where i'm wearing my yeah ironbird t-shirt today that was Joey Ortiz's 27th game really? as an Ironbird. So everyone's making this huge deal because the number one guy mm -hmm. is showing up at the right. Aberdeen Ironbirds. And this is a big deal. And Adley was recovering from mono. He went 0 for 5 in that game. Understandable. Joey Ortiz, and still got all the coverage. Yeah. Joey Ortiz at that game had four hits, including a double and two RBI. Wow. Which, you know, he noticed. Yeah. A lot of other people didn't notice that game raised his batting average by 33 points. Holy shit. He finished the season 241 with one home run in, in 56 games. And then the next year is 2020. It's COVID year. There are yeah. no minor league games. So he's like, what do I do to stay in shape? So he kind of he builds a, like a home gym in his garage <laughs> and he uses his backyard as well. So he is basically hitting off a tee. All summer long. This is how he's trying to stay in shape for minor league baseball to hopefully get noticed and get yeah. called up. When after a summer of doing just stuff in his garage in his backyard, they start getting back together again. There's a fall instructional camp, right? And the folks are like, "What did you do? It's like you've been facing live pitching all summer. How are you this good? How did you train?" And he said, "Well, I had a net and a tee in my backyard." 
And that was all he did, but he did it every damn day. All right, Right? Kids. And so he kind of showed up ready to go. His debut was in April of 2023. He was the first O's call-up. There were so many call-ups the past year for the O's because of those recent really good draft classes. Um, he had the, the, the he played 16 games in AAA before the call-up, where he was hitting 359 um, in 72 plate appearances, right? So 16 games. Gets his call up, ends up being just a cup of coffee. They needed a right-handed batter because a bunch of their lefties were temporarily on the IL. So it didn't last long, but he had a great time. 15 games, right? Went back to AAA where he played 88 games, hit 321 for the season, uh, 885 OPS. Then in February, the O's say, yeah, we really need some pitching. And they trade with Milwaukee for mm. Corbin Burns. Yeah. And so Joey Ortiz and um, and Deal Hall go to, oh. yeah, our pal Deal goes, go to Milwaukee. And this is actually good because as I said before, the left side of the O's infield, you've got Gunnar Henderson, you've got There's Jackson so Holiday who's going to show up, you've got yeah. Jorge Mateo, you've got um, Westerberg, you've got a ton of people who are in front of Joey Ortiz, yeah. who's good at his job, but there are these, all go. these other guys, right? Whereas if he goes to Milwaukee, he might get to play, right? They're looking at him as... You know, maybe third base, maybe second base, and also looking ahead, a possible replacement for Willie Adames at short because he, if they don't do a you know a contract mm. extension, he's going to be a free agent yeah. at the end of this year. But that they're like planning ahead for it when Joey okay. Ortiz could be that shortstop to replace Willie Adames. So their manager Pat Murphy said, "You know what kind of talent Baltimore has on that side of the infield hmm. in the infield period." Or on the team, period. To be able to extract one of their players like that is exciting. Yeah. Right? And then it's actually, it's his bat has been pretty good, but it's really all about his glove. They see him kind of as a future gold glove, hopefully. His defense is very good. The general manager said, this guy's a gamer. Hard-nosed kid, a great defender, gold glove caliber. So I'm looking forward to watching Joey Ortiz maybe get some time playing with the Brewers this year. Wow. All right, so we're getting close to the end. We've got next week. We are. We've got two more weeks. So next week we've got Tampa Bay and the Dodgers. Wow. Yeah. That's it. So if you're interested in playing with us, let us know. I'm going to give us a kick in the pants right now. This kick in the seat. Seat in the pants. I don't know. We're ki- we're kicking off pants. We're Dang. talking about pants. All right, I'm nearing the end of my uh Denizen's rope. beer. Yeah, <laughs> rope. Absolutely. So uh, there's been a lot of talk about pants. And if you are one of our Patreon friends, you heard our little brief talk about uniforms last week that we thought, you know, would just be a little cute thing to throw into Patreon. Whoo. But since then, the pants have exploded. Everybody's oh dear. taken face. <laughs> Exploding pants. Everybody's been taking their pictures and showing all yeah, that's going on. Yeah, it was the on. official photo day was this week. And so, boy, did that bring the pants to the right. forefront. Yeah. So that's a, and, and also, there's like a question about showing some of these pictures and, and emphasizing certain parts of the pants. But basically, the, the, the current pants are a lot more transparent, shall we say, than the old pants. There's been a lot of uniform adjustments, and so uh, there's there's pants issues, seeing through the pants, fitting the pants, lots of pants stuff going on. And I just want to talk about my uh, baseball boyfriend from from Toronto, Kevin Kiermeyer, said that he's wearing his old pants. Yep. Because not only are they not see see through, but they fit better. Yep. Because they were tailored to him. Yep. And that's not what's happening nope. this year, right? Nope. You want to talk about fitting pants? I do. I want to talk about a couple things. And um, this is actually, pants is a labor issue. Oh, wow. So Tony Clark, who's always the, bring in the union situation. I, well, you know, when it's, when it's appropriate. <laughs> so the executive director of the MLBPA, the Players Union, Tony Clark, uh, regularly meets with all the teams during spring training to find out what the important issues are. And like there was, there's like pitch clock stuff. There's a lot of things. But he said, it's disappointing that we've landed in a place where the uniforms mm. are the topic of discussion, right? So on the Patreon Extra we had last week, we talked about the jerseys because those were the initial right. point of contention. And this week there was a little bit more information that said, well, you know what, because they are like the like performance jerseys are lighter weight and can't support the heavy 
letters. And so one of the complaints was the letters, the numbers are much smaller. They look fake. Yeah. Apparently that performance fabric can't support it, which I thought was an interesting, so what, what is your trade-off? Do you want to be right. cool and comfortable or do you want, you know, and I guess it has to be a trade-off. Right. Well, so that's where your guy, Corbin Burns, came, comes in because he sort of was looking at both sides of the story and said, you know, actually the players, you know, for a long time have been saying that these uniforms are hot and heavy mm-hmm. and we want something a little bit more breathable and more comfortable. But he said, and I quote, maybe they went a little too much too quickly. Yeah. 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 It could be. It could be. So the thing about the pants, <laughs> the claim is the fabric is the same as last year, but yes. the color is different. Oh. So it's, quote, eggshell as opposed to whatever the, the white was. Well, I don't know how white could be any less so see-through. Neat. But that's the story. And so one of the problems is, oh, so, so yes, so guys are wearing pants from previous seasons or yeah or or another problem is they don't not all the teams don't have right enough things but anyway but the uniforms for the new season are not necessarily white they're also eggshells so if the guys are wearing the old pants with the new jerseys they're not going to match so there's like this whole there's there's so many layers to this right but to the point of tailoring they scanned like 300 players and they decided oh We'll give you three options, yeah. which sounds like Sears size, like Sears Roebuck sizing things yeah. for elementary school kids. You can be slim, regular, or baggy, which I read as husky. Right. I was going to say it's the Levi's husky. Wasn't fit. it husky? I had huskies in, in elementary school, and it you, was very, really? very stressful, yes. Yes, wow. I was husky in fifth grade. Believe it or not, I, <laughs> I wow, no. I do not look husky these days. You do not. In you, fifth you, grade, you are, I was a husky. You are slim. You are, so slim, regular, or baggy, and the no tailoring it's like you're gonna fit in one yeah. of these things but now so apparently nike and fanatics representatives have been coming around to all the teams which they used to do every year anyway and they would come to do the specific tailoring yeah. now they're coming sort of in self-defense but they are taking some <laughs> measurements and they're making some adjustments but i don't know if they're going to do full tailoring but i mean all of these guys are, are Way differently shaped. Right. Way differently shaped. And you can't just say, oh, I'm slim, regular, or baggy, right? I know. And we're talking about multi-million dollar contracts. Like, buy, you know, tailor them a fucking pair of pants. Really? Right? And so um, Luke Mail from Cincinnati. Cincinnati is one of the teams that doesn't have all the pants yet. Yeah. Right? So they like, so. Like the Phillies, He's too. saying, you know what? It's not just the fit. Or the availability, but look at who you are make whose lives you are making difficult. Hmm. So again, he made it a different labor issue, which I'm so glad that he's a former boyfriend of mine because he said this: it's a clubhouse issue. He said so. The clubhouse attendants are the ones who are looking for old pants, who are some of them are tailoring pants yeah. for the players. He said, I think the biggest misconception right now is not just players complaining and being prima donnas about what pants they're wearing. We work with our clubhouse attendants every single day. They take care of virtually everything uh, in our lives and the amount of work they've had to go through owns this kind of false short is pretty disappointing, not just on our end, but for them as well. So good for you, Luke, like sticking up for a whole a labor Absolutely. issue for a whole different set of people right. that are involved in this. Um, I am impressed with Under Armour jumping on this, Baltimore-based Under Armour jumping on this, showing a pair of their baseball pants, saying, we've got you covered. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there's definitely a, sort of a breakdown between players who are sponsored by Nike, yeah. who feel like yeah. they can't speak maybe as freely as they should be. Like some of them are kind of talking in code. And those who are not. I just think that, you know, we should look at the opportunity here. I think that players should show their personality and find their very favorite, very bright patterned boxer shorts to, like, show off the transparency of the pants. Because, you know, why not? (laughs) Just show your character. I You know, there's so many, like, fun boxer shorts out there. I think they need to do that. Either that. Or, you know, they're they're doing the ads on the uniforms this year. So I'm assuming that <laughs> baseball players also wear compression shorts yeah. for a sliding. So maybe those would be the things that would have to be. That's um, true. And actually, I think it was Bo Bichette who said, like, you know, that's it's very apparent what you wear underneath. And he is a underpants shorts kind of guy. So I think he's OK with his choice. But I think I think we need we need we need we need ass ads. Hashtag ass ads. We need we need big ads, 
to cover up the spots that the flares uh, that the pants yeah. are not covering. So instead of putting them on like the the sleeves the sleeve. of the uniforms, we'll start putting them on various right points so, on the pants. Exactly where people are watching anyway. Ass ads. Yeah, I'm also thinking if they don't correct this soon, when they have those Gatorade baths. Oh dear. Yeah, it's going to be problematic. Oh dear. <laughs> so much. I don't know. I wow. Yeah, we've we've gone. Oh yeah. Yeah, and maybe this should have been in the police blotter, but I'm just going to give a, a quick little police blotter update about our friend Juaner Franco from Tampa Bay, who is not at spring training, understandably, because he's still being investigated for statutory rape, right, and a, a relationship with a 14 year old. Um, his lawyer, one of them, he's had been through a couple of legal teams at this point. One of his lawyers quit about a week ago without a statement. And soon after, his bank accounts in the Dominican Republic were frozen because he hadn't paid this lawyer for the work completed and also is being accused of breach of contract with this lawyer. You don't want to breach a contract with a lawyer because they, they notice those things. Right. They can read the contract so much better than you. <laughs> however, <laughs> however, apparently his other lawyers are behind him on this. There's also some reports that he threatened the lawyer, which is also something not to do with the lawyer. So he hasn't given any official statements on this. Apparently he knows enough to shut the fuck up in front of the press. But we he, know where he is now. We do. He's still, he can't leave the DR. He's got to check in once a month with, well, I mean, he can leave, I guess, for 29 days. But he's got to check in once a month as part of the deal. And, um, you know, the not doing spring training is a lot of, you know, immigration-wise, they're not going to let him in here because he yeah, no. has this open case in the Dominican Republic. So to be continued, but uh, Tampa is, I think, going to be suffering this year. Yes. And next week we pick our boyfriends mm. for Tampa. And we've already, you know, not only selected a Wander Franco in past years, but now that we, would be we've me. also now put him on the no one else can have right. him anymore. Never yep. going to be a boyfriend list. Hey, one more thing from Police Blotter, which is not itself a crime, but it's kind of uh, an addendum to uh, the story we told before oh, about wow. the statue of Jackie Robinson being cut off at the ankles in Wichita and then removed Ugh. and then found destroyed and burned. So League 42, which is the Little League, the league that that um, plays in the park where mm-hmm. the statue was located. They were responsible for the statue being there. Uh-huh. To begin with, the, that league is donating the cleats, which is the only thing left of the statue, to the Negro League's Baseball Museum. Wow. And ideally, it's going to will arrive there before Jackie Robinson Day, which will be April 15th. And there'll be a ceremony when they're delivered. And Bob Kendrick, who's the, um, the president of the Negro League's Baseball Museum, said, we have a story to tell. Wow. And what a story. Yeah. And actually, yeah, go back to past episodes to hear Patty's explanation of what happened and whether or not it, I mean, it looks like, you know, it was them wanting it for the material, right? Not right. Uh, the statue's bronze, and the person they've arrested so far, their impression was it was not a hate crime. It was, in fact, they wanted to sell it for the bronze, for the metal Ugh. itself. Uh, they expect to make more arrests. I haven't seen anything about more arrests happening yet. Whew. Well, thanks for that update. And we're heading towards signing off. But and and this is another super super sized episode. But we do have a Patreon community, which is a bunch of people who we appreciate and adore, who support this podcast, and you can join them. And part of the Patreon deal is if you up to $5 a month, you are allowed to tell us what to say on this podcast. And our dear friend Chris Hofstetter has sent me the absolute, I I wish I could say the best gift that I've ever received but it has to be the second best because a dear friend gave me a Ted Williams signed baseball. Although that is so that tracks. It, it all does. Oh, it's thematic. So I Full have, circle. I have Ted Williams, but Chris sent us this amazing and we, we've got to unsheath this from its from it. You actually you should be touching it. So you should take it out. I should be touching this is, it. This is this is a bat. Oh, my God. Wow. From 1986, Damn. which is in a very important year in my life uh, from Marty Barrett, 
who was the second baseman of the Red Sox and really like the the most beloved second baseman before the Dustin Pedroia. You I, do I, love I, the second baseman, don't you? Yeah. Of the Red Sox. Well, these two guys anyway. There weren't a lot. I mean, no, there's, there's a couple before then. But still, Marty Barrett was second base for like my my entire high school and college experience which um, in the very middle of that, so my freshman year at college, so you guys can do the math and figure out how old I am, is when the Red Sox finally, for the first time, well, 75, but the first time in my mature life made it to the World Series, which was, of course, heartbreaking. However, the ALCS was not heartbreaking. That was an amazing time. And that's what this bat is from when he was MVP MVP of the ACLS, so many letters at this point of the beer, and had at that point set a major league record with 24 hits in the 14 postseason games. So since then, and Randy Arisarena, we remember a couple years ago, set the record of, of hits in the postseason with 29, but... Only Albert Pujols has done it with fewer at-bats than Marty Barrett. So Marty Barrett to have 24 hits in, I think it was 60 at-bats. I didn't write that. I'm pretty sure it was 60 at-bats. Pretty amazing. So we have this bat. It's beautiful. Patty is now holding it, and it's, pay, and it's cracked. It's, it's, it was getting it's used. just stunning. Yeah, it's a Rawlings Adirondack Pro Ring model. It says big stick. It's got Marty Barrett's name engraved into it, professional model. And there is there are def, there's cracks in it, and you can tell it's well-loved and well-used. And it's freaking cool to hold yeah. this bat. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much, Chris. But along with the bat came a, um, well, not only for Patty to pay tribute to that, which she just did, oh my God. but also a request for Patty to read a little bit from John Updike's um, essay, long essay, about Ted Williams' last at-bat at Fenway Park, titled Hub Fans Bid Kid Aju. So I'm going to read a tiny little bit of it here for all y'all and hopefully entice you over to Patreon where we'll have the whole thing. I think Potty Mouth and I are going to tag team on the essay because it's, it's quite long, but it's beautiful. So to give you a little taste of it, I'm going to read the piece that describes the fans that have that arrive to sit around John Updike in the stands. Again, this is from 1960. That's BP, B before Potty Mouth and Patty. Yes. Two girls, one of them with pert buck teeth and eyes as black as vest buttons, the other with white skin and flesh-colored hair like an undeveloped, underdeveloped photograph of a redhead, came and sat on my right. On my other side was one of those frowning, chestless young old men who can frequently be seen, often wearing sailor hats, attending ball games alone. He did not once open his program, but instead tapped it, rolled up on his knee as he gave the game his disconsolate attention. A young lady with freckles and a depressed, dainty nose that by an optical illusion seemed to thrust her lips forward for a kiss, sauntered down into the box seats, and with striking aplomb took a seat right behind the roof of the Oriole dugout. She wore a blue coat with a Northeastern University emblem sewed to it. The girls beside me took it into their heads. This was William's daughter. She looked too old to me, and why would she be sitting behind the visitor's dugout? On the other hand, from the way she sat there, staring at the sky in French inhaling, she clearly was somebody. Other fans came and eclipsed her from view. The crowd looked less like a weekday ballpark crowd than like the folks you might find in a Yellowstone National Park or emerging from automobiles at the top of scenic Mount Mansfield. There were a lot of competitively well-dressed couples of tourist age and not a few babes in arms. A row of five seats in front of me was abruptly filled with a woman and four children, the youngest of them two years old, if that someday presumably he could tell his grandchildren he saw Williams play. Along with these tots and second honeymooners, there were Harvard freshmen giving off that peculiar nervous glow created when a quantity of, of insouciance is saturated with insecurity. Thick-necked army officers with brass on their shoulders and lead in their voices. Pepperings of priests, perfumed bouquets of Roxbury Fabian fans, shiny salesmen from Albany and Fall River, and those gray horsemen, taxi drivers, slaughterers, and bartenders who will continue to click through the turnstiles long after everyone else has deserted to television and tramparamas. Behind me, two young male voices blossomed, cracking a joke about God's five proofs that Thomas Aquinas exists. Typical Boston College levity. Wow. 
I love it. So the whole the whole piece is like this. It's yeah. the, the, he, he paints such a picture of this event and also the importance or the the depth of Ted Williams' wow. role to the Red Sox. Yeah, and and I just want to if, if I didn't explain it clearly beforehand, this is what. Chris requested with his with his Patreon contribution that we read that Patty read especially this um this excerpt from her chosen excerpt from this essay about Ted Williams and so we will read the whole thing for Patreon if you want to hear the whole thing and join us on Patreon and have the opportunity to say really whatever the fuck you want us to say. So if you give us five bucks a month, you can have me extol the Yankees or some other such thing at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash no crying and b-ball. We're a fun little community there and we would really appreciate your support. Absolutely. And there's other ways you can find us online, especially if you want to participate in our Fantasy League, which is coming up very soon. Pine Mouth, where else can people find us? Oh, boy. Yeah, there's that Twitter X thing and Blue Sky, which is uh, NCIB podcast. Facebook and Instagram are No Crying and B-Ball. And we would love to hear from you. Any corrections? Also appreciated. <laughs> all right. We hope you all have a great week and get a chance to watch some spring training i'm sure you've gotten your booster you fight the man because that's the right thing to do you're sending your game balls and possibly your major league uniforms to meredith oh right yes because they're your uniform because yeah if you can get the official uniforms you can compare and contrast that just the way she compares and contrasts baseballs year to year and until next week say good night potty mouth good night potty mouth Maybe I can kick off the pants. There should be a better way to say that than kick off pants. That's a funny way to say that because then people think you're half nude. Right, right. We wouldn't want that to be the case. Well...